Hi, everybody. This is Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 32. Episode 32. We have a guest today, Dan. I know. It feels special. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? Doing good. 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 Now, Mark is... Well, he, he he's involved with something near and dear to your heart, I know. <laughs> yes, I, I play the game very, very often. Mark, why don't you give us a recap of the Green Lantern game on Facebook? Well, I'm probably at this point, I'm, there's two administrators in the Lantern Corps War Facebook game app, and probably at this point I, I do, not taking away anything from Jesus Vega who made the game, and I'm glad that he let me become an admin on it. But right now, probably... I'm the one who's doing the most of the day-to-day work on trying to build the game and get more, get it better known and and just make it better to play. And I think with input from especially you, Jim, and, and other Green Lantern fans, I think we've done a lot better job anyway at making it more playable and more interesting than even when we first, when I first started playing. I think even when you first started playing. Yeah, definitely. Basically, it's a battle game for people who haven't played. It's essentially a battle game related to the War of Light and the Blackest Night, and you can pretty much play now as every as any core member from Indigo to Black to Green, all all the eight cores you can play. And there are specific missions, especially in the early levels. There are probably from maybe from levels one to thirty. I really done a lot of work. I think I'm trying to make a lot of specific missions per core. There are a few general missions that everybody plays still. And I think that's going to also go back as we move higher in the levels. I think there's going to be a lot more. There's going to be more general missions too. So the bigger missions, like something that's like an infinite crisis mission, which I haven't done yet, that they'll be able to play those. And there's different weapons, some of which are universal, some of which are just specific for each core. And as you know, Jim and I have worked on also that we've added a lot of hidden weapons and hidden allies in the game that are are just not just locked, but they're hidden. You can only get them from playing a mission and succeeding, and you can't buy them at any point in the game in the marketplace and things like that. So that's that's the basic gist of the game. You arm yourself. You, you, you go on missions to gain experience points. You fight other characters, not in your own core, but you fight other people in the game, and you just move up the levels, and that's that's it in a nutshell, I would say. What kind of missions would you go on as a Black Lantern? Like, are you just going around eating people, or is it like... I think some of the ones I have so far, for, I have the generic I have the generic one, which you know, which is like Rise, that the Black Hand is raising you, which is, I guess, the equivalent of taking the Oath. Most of the other first missions for every core is like taking the Oath. But for the Black, for the, for the black Lanterns, I think one of them is Rise, some of it is... Uh, I have one that's unearthed Bruce Wayne's skull. <laughs> That's one mission for the black. For, for the black. I have, um, I know I have attacking the hawk, Hawkman and Hawk Girl. I think I call that one stalking the Hawks or whatever. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's one mission for the blacks. And those are the ones that come to mind. It's, you know, but I have a decent amount of level, mission levels for the black up until probably close to 20. Even though right now it doesn't seem like the blacks. Right, popular. I'm surprised the Sinestro Corps isn't more popular in this game. Looking at the number of people that have, are playing as Sinestro Corps members, I figured there would be more. But. Now, with some of the weapons on the lower levels, do you 
you know, do you ever get a little worried as far as like, oh no, there's so many weapons that we use on the lower levels. What the heck are we going to use for the higher levels now? I'm not. I wasn't. I'm still not overly concerned because what I've tried because this is one of the good things that Jesus did when he set it up is that they seem like he had the generic weapons like like a blue lantern core ring, and then the that would come up first when you um, on one level. And then you, a few levels later, you'd find the Blue Lantern power battery, which would be an armor. And what I tried to do is I try to continue the pattern and move your way up the course. So, like, as you, if you move further along, like the reds, the oranges, even the black, and even the indigos, those are some of the more powerful generic weapons to get. But I've added a lot of specific weapons, as in I have, I, you've already uncovered because I know you're further along. You passed that level already. I have Kyle Rayner's power ring. Yes. A specific weapon, which is only for Green Lantern characters, not right. for as opposed to the generic Green Lantern ring or even that elite Green Lantern ring, which I just created, that can be used for everybody. But the Kyle Rayner power ring is just for Green Lanterns, and you can only use it and you need it for specific missions later on in the game. And, I, and I've done the same thing with most of the other cores. I have Atrocitus's power ring. I have... St. Walker's powering, I've held Jordan's powering, things like that. So I think I've, I think there's enough weapons to go around, plus the fact that I added the ally category, which kicks in at level 30, which uses specific characters that you can use as allies to your, that are specific to your core. I think that helps balance out that concern. So eventually, actually, I, I really enjoy making the, making the items is a lot, a lot of fun. The missions is fun, too, but the items, because a little quicker to make the items, but I... I, I really enjoy making the items. Now, with the the allies feature, you said that there are hidden allies here and there. Can you give us like a preview as far as like what maybe some of the different cores will you know come up with for the the secret allies that they could look for in the future? Is there some sort of cat maybe? Even though that's not hidden, though. <laughs> but that uh. is the first. The, but the first, the first ally the Reds will find once you get to level 30, which I'm sure Probably Brian so. is just, Brian Coates, I'm sure is just waiting for if he's out there, is <laughs> Dexter. Dexter is, is the first Red Lantern ally to come up. But as yes. far as as far as hidden allies that you can only get in the missions themselves, let's see. There's I don't know how specific you want me to get. I could give you the I could tell you what the mission is, and then maybe people can figure out possibly what the ally would be. But I have a future shot. I think that Future Shock mission, I believe, from, because it's Green Lantern 98 and 99, I think, with Kyle. And there's a Green Lantern that's a special, a hidden character that, as far as I know, only appeared in the in those two issues and hasn't appeared. Yep. 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 <laughs> we know who you're talking that, about. Uh, that, that character is, is, a, is a hidden ally for the Green Lanterns. That, that's the only way you can get that character. And I did a, I did a mission... Like last week, which was related to Unholy Alliances, the Green Lantern Silver Surfer crossover, mm. and it's it's not it's not a Marvel character, it's not a, it's not a Marvel character that's that's hidden, but it's a it's a special version of an existing. I, I can I can nah, maybe I'll give this one away. I kind of like this one myself. I they, they, on that mission the the hidden character is Parallax with the with the power cosmic. <laughs> when he absorbed, when the wow. surface gave him the power <laughs> cosmic, so, so, and I've, and as the game goes on, I'm trying to add more, more hidden allies in there because I think that 
I think that's pretty interesting. Definitely. And I do have one I haven't added yet, which relates to, which relates to Circle of Fire, because I did do one Circle of Fire mission so far, and I don't I haven't added an ally yet, but I have a choice of two I think I want to do, but. <laughs> it can go either way on that one. I'm not sure which way I want to go, so that's why. But, but I think it's cool. Like Jim and I have talked about, I think it's a good way to add interest into the game, to have special weapons, special characters as allies you can only unlock in missions, and then you need those characters potentially down the road to do other missions. Yeah. Especially when, like, this kind of thing, it helps reinforce a connection between the comics and the game for people. So it'll be a nice little Easter egg for people who have read that and maybe it'll spark interest in people who have never seen these characters before. Like, oh, who the hell's this? Let me look this up. There might be people who even go back and read back issues because of what they saw in the game. That's true. I mean, it would be interesting. I mean, if that actually spurs interest like that, that would be really cool. And I've tried to focus on, well, obviously the main focus of most of this relates to the War of Light and everything that's going on now. I've also tried to include storylines in the past, not just related to the like the Kyle Rayner run, but I know I have a I have a third law mission relating to entropy because I like that storyline a lot, so I, I have that one included. <laughs> and and it, and it just some other I'm just trying to just trying to think of one pops to mind that is not. I I have been doing a good amount of missions lately related to the, the of events that took place during the Kyle Rayner run especially. And I know since I added the Alan Scott weapon that I think I don't. I knew. I was thinking that today. I know I have a mission that I want to do that you need the Alan Scott ring for. So when I think I have a good character who would be the unlockable, a good hidden character related to Alan Scott. Alan's mission should be like kill Hitler or something. (laughs) So how big has the game gotten at this point now? Last time I mean actually actually I have the page open so I can actually tell you the number. Right now we have 503 monthly active users. Wow. wow, and that's and honestly that's jumped up a lot in the past month. I mean, I think when I first when I first started playing the game, and then I inquired about, I just it was just weird how I be, even became an admin because I mean I re- I read his, I found the game by on a on a Green Lantern Corps website that I go to, and he had a post and about the Facebook game, and I said let me check it out, and I. I kept contacting him with questions about different missions and, how, you know, how do you do this or are you going to do add this to the game? And, you know, he asked me if I wanted to be an admin and that kind of how it took off. But certainly we all, I, I, I don't really remember the number of monthly users we had before I started really working on this game a lot. But I think but it's, I would say it's at least doubled since in the last month or so. Wow. Then you guys obviously have helped that too by mentioning it. There's no doubt about that. I would thank you for that. We get uh, comments, you know, on the uh, the forum and on the Facebook page as far as, like, you know, I wasn't going to join the Facebook page, but when you mention the game, here I am. It's a good incentive. I mean, sometimes if you have an interest in something, it's just one little thing will spur you on. I remember when, like, the Super Nintendo came out. The main reason I got the Super Nintendo was because I wanted to play the Death of Superman game, which at the time uh, was, only, was, was only a Super Nintendo game, and eventually they made it for Genesis. But it was like, wow, I want... I want to play that game. It looks great, so that's the main reason I got the I got the game system. I've done that too. I mean, I wanted <laughs> I, I wanted to play Super Smash Brothers Melee, and I so I got the GameCube and just haven't looked back. <laughs> that's all it takes. They made a Death of Superman video game for Super Nintendo. 
Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Like, there's there were certain parts where, like, you would have to play as, like, the Eradicator and, like, a certain yes. level where you were Superboy. It was actually a very good game. I mean, honestly, I know it's a complete tangent for us, but it's, it's a, it was a very good game, actually. And the graphics, concerning at the time, were pretty cool. But, yes, you played... You played it as all of them. I think the only, the only, I think the only negative was you only played as the cyborg Superman. I think once. I think you uh, played on one. I think you played like one level as Hank Henshaw, and then before you knew it, he was he was revealed to be the bad guy. So you were just continually fighting him or, or his machinations in the game. So. Yeah, that was the game where like it started out where you fu- you play as Superman. Yeah. And you fight Doomsday, and you get killed. Like no matter what you do, even if you win, right. you just you fall over dead. Killed essentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you could do nothing, or you could fight him for like an hour, and it would, it would the result would be exactly the same. Yep, that's the way, that's like the, the second screen or whatever, the second level, and then then you come back as the four different Superman, and then. I, I still have my uh, my own Super Nintendo, so I'm gonna try and look for that game now. I'm, oh. Yeah, I'm sure you can get it cheap. I ha- I do have it, and then eventually I got it from my friend. When it came out for Genesis, I got it from my friend, too. But I don't think the Genesis... Can- Actually, I don't think the Genesis played exactly the same, so I think the Super Nintendo was still the better version of the game. So, uh, Dan, what do you say we uh, we jump into news now? Oh, well, before that... All right, well, first, yeah, where can they find this game? Like, let's tell them... Yeah. Well, uh, the Facebook game, like, well, Super Nintendo, you know. Like, where can they find the Facebook <laughs> That would probably be a little more difficult. Well, the, I'm trying to get the the best way to give the link, but we know it's Lantern Lantern Core War, the name of the game. Obviously, you can find the links on the on the Lantern Cast page. You can find the links on my page, Mark Marble, a Facebook page, and. I think you probably, probably just did a search for Lantern Core War. It probably would come up. I can double check that. But we'll also have a link in our show notes for this right, episode. Right, because it's but Facebook links is just kind of it's just kind of wacky. Actually, I think it will come up because I started punching Lant and the Lantern Core War and the Lantern Cast both came up came up as options for things you could click on. It's probably a good time. Uh, actually, like I, I think when when uh, I give out the links to people. I actually give them the link to the Lantern cast team profile. That's true, too, actually. That's a good idea. That is a good idea to do that. I don't think that's working at this exact moment, but oh well. Yeah, I just I just opened Facebook. I went to the search bar. I, I put in the letter L-A, and it came up. So you can right, find it. Right, that's what I just did on, on mine, too. And I'm glad it works, whether you're logged in or not, or whether you're a part of the game or not, but... I punched in Lance, and like I said, the two things that popped up was Lantern Core War and you guys. So that's a pretty good company, and that makes it pretty easy to find. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I guess uh, while we're on the same topic, yeah, um, join our Facebook page, and they'll have links right there to the Lantern Core War, and you'll also help bring us up to 100 or more Facebook friends at that point. You're such a Facebook whore. Uh, gotta get that hundred. Gotta get that hundred. Oh, and you when you know what happens? Oh, that, you, you'll see. You'll see what it what happens when it happens. He has nothing. He has nothing. And when you join the game, when you start playing the Lantern Core War game, then uh, join up with Team Lantern Cast. It's uh, it's the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think yeah we're we're still in number one place. 
And I'm glad you're enjoying the game as much. It's, I'm glad that it's, people are finding it interesting, and I'm glad that it's getting better because that's it's kind of taken off, and it's and it's good because it's, it's you don't find many things related to our interests like that, certainly on Facebook at the moment. So it certainly comes in handy, especially with the Blackest Night being in the mid midway point. So it's mm. anything to take Farmville down a peg. <laughs> <laughs> I have not played Farmville. Just being addicted to this own game, even even. Now it's even worse being on the admin end too, but it's but it's uh, from the addiction point of view. But I can just ima- I can just imagine if I was doing more than one of these games. <laughs> uh, okay, so now let's segue into news. Yeah. You got anything, Dan? Not really. You? Oh yeah, I got some stuff. Like first off, uh, as we record this episode, just yesterday, Doom Patrol number four came out. This was the Blackest Night tie-in, and if you had a good comic book store nearby, oh God. or were ordering through DCBS, you would get a yellow ring along with your comic. That's right, the first of the rings came out. Yeah, if you didn't have a good local comic book shop nearby, then maybe they got a few issues of Doom Patrol, but no rings. Do, do you want to tell your story? Do you? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I had to go to three shops before finally finding one that had the rings. And I knew that the third shop would have it because it's the place that I usually go to, but, like, in my travels, it was kind of out of the way for that day. So the first shop, they had ordered the rings, but they never came in for whatever reason. So I was out of there, no Doom Patrol. I hit the next place, and the guy had, like, 10 to 15 issues of Doom Patrol on the counter. And he decided, he said, he's like, yeah, I wasn't going to order the minimum to order the rings. So I cut out of there, went to my regular shop, and sure enough, they had stacks of them, bags of rings, no problem. That's much less yelly than the version I heard off air. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm more calm now. Maybe because it was only the yellow ring. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, yellow ring is totally burned. You know what? I'm, what I'm interested to see. I think the this was what number four. So I think Doom Patrol five is a Blackest Night tie-in too, but there's no ring attached. So I'm I wonder how, what the sales are gonna look like for that. Oh, I'll I'm definitely ordering it. I we won't go into this issue right now because you have to wait to get yeah, it. I'll, I'll get it next week. But. Like, I have to say, like, this is now my first issue of Doom Patrol, because I haven't gotten a chance to read the previous issues. And I liked it. I definitely liked it. So now I'll I'll get issue five. I'll try and go get the first three issues. It's good stuff. I definitely liked it. Nice. And and there was a, an article on BleedingCool.com as far as, you know, it's like it's selling out super fast, like at most places. And... The distributors are completely out of the Sinestro Core rings. So it's a definite uh, spike in sales. Oh, in other news, you cheated on the Lantern cast with another show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was a guest on the Comic Addiction podcast. As of this particular moment, the episode is not up, but I'm sure it'll be up by the time that this episode airs. So head over to thecomicaddiction.com check out the Blackest Night Halfway was it the the halftime report they called it? Yeah, like halftime show or something. 
yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was it was very cool going on their show. It it, it was nice not having to uh, deal with a co-host. Easy. <laughs> Just kidding. I've talked of replacing you before. And I've talked of replacing you. Oh, like, come on. I'm the talent. Come on. <laughs> it's funny that you think that. <laughs> Did you give their website? I don't remember. Yeah. Becomicaddiction.com. They're also on iTunes under, you know, Comic Be Comic Addiction Podcast. Check it out. Listen to me some more if you can't get enough of me. I assume they're all spoilers, or... Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, there's uh, one other piece of news. The DC Halloween Special 09 came out, like, what was it, a week or two ago now? It came out the Wednesday before Halloween. I actually got it on... This is great, because I get everything through DCBS, and, like, my box showed up that Friday, and Halloween was the next day. So it was perfect timing. <laughs> Yeah, that that would really kind of stink if uh, you got this after Halloween. Yeah, I even waited, so I'm like, I'm going to wait and read this Halloween night after work. And your thoughts? On, well, on specifically on the Green Lantern story. Yes. Because there's an eight-page Green Lantern story. It was written by Adam Schlagman. Is that how we say his name? Yeah, yeah, that's Schlagman. Yeah, and yeah, that guy. And it was drawn by Mark Bagley. Of a mate of a Ultimate Spider-Man fame, and also the Justice League America run now. Yeah, and he drew Trinity. Um, I gotta tell you, the first half of this, I didn't like it at all. And then we got to like that two-page spread with like the bazillion panels on it, where it's it's kind of almost subtly and not really subtly contrasting. Halloween now for Guy Gardner versus Halloween as a kid for Guy Gardner when his, like, abusive alcoholic father made it something terrible. Mm. And it was like, it really hits you with, like, oh, this is why he's so focused on making Halloween a really good thing and a big deal in his adult life. Like, I liked that. I thought, like, Everything else was like, okay. I actually, I actually, I, I read this. It's eight pages long. I read it in two sittings because I had to like kind of walk away from it for a little while because I just got bored. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, I love the whole thing. I actually, you know, reading the first half, you know, you have guy going around trying to, uh, you know, get everybody to come to his big Halloween party. You got that that big uh, splash page with all the different people in some in costume, some not in costume. The the two page spread where it's got all the different panels that that was pretty cool with the the contrast. And then of course the last two pages was fantastic. Yeah, about that ending, I feel like I feel like they went a little far <laughs> for. For no reason. Like, okay, Ice shows up in, like, a sexy guardian outfit. Okay, that's fine. Then, like, they make reference of, you know, her and Guy going off and, like, like doing their couple thing in costume. Okay, whatever. That's, you know, Guy, that, that's, you expect that from Guy Gardner. Okay. <laughs> then in the last panel, they 
it's not even implied. They flat out say, we're going to go have a three-way with a construct you make. Like, that's... Like, why? <laughs> uh, well, I can't really defend that, but... No, you can't. <laughs> I like her costume a lot, so... It gets a pass from me. Let me... Well, I'll ask both of you guys this. But, like, what do you think of Mark Bagley's art in this? Because... Like, there's some stuff I thought was good. And I should preface this by saying, like, the guy's taken a lot of flack for his DC work, and I haven't seen enough of it to say overall, well, he's not doing good with DC stuff. I'm just judging it on this. Yeah. And, like, like, a lot of this looked really weird. Like, the characters don't look quite right, you know? There were some panels that uh, I definitely agree with you. Um, like, on the first page of the story... The the bottom half of the page, the middle panel, like guy's face right there. It it just it looks a little odd, but you know, like I guess overall, like you know, there were a lot of things that I really did like about the art, like that one full page spread with everybody in or not in costume. Yeah, that was another thing that bugged me. Like almost nobody was dressed up. Well, they're Green Lanterns. No, still, that's like. That's like wearing your work clothes to work on casual Friday, or, you know? <laughs> Man. Or, whatever. I, there are two two bits in here that I thought were really funny. First of all, Isamot dressed like Hawkman. Yeah. That was great. That was good. And and did you catch Kilowog dressed like the Anti-Monitor? Oh, that was Kilowog? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, did you see, uh... You said you commented on Isamot. Um, I believe... Uh, was it Bath? Oh, was that him in the Adam Strange? Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. Okay. That was, so yeah, that was good. I think I liked the, uh, the Flash Superman race more. Oh. Oh, what you call it? Uh, Mark, did you get a chance to read this issue? Sadly, I feel like a bad Lantern cast and Green Lantern fan guest here that no, I did not actually get that issue. I don't, I don't know. I might have been gone by the time I got to my comic store. Because that was last week, it would have been. It definitely wasn't pulled for me, I know that. Yeah. I mean, it's good. As, as anthologies go, it was pretty good. Like, I haven't tried a DC holiday special, I think, ever. I just got it on impulse. Um, which actually reminds me, there's a Kid Flash story in here that's just, I think, really clever. Like, you know the whole, like, Bloody Mary, like, myth or whatever? Like, you say Bloody Mary three times into a mirror and this, like, dead woman shows up to kill you or whatever, or something? There's a Flash villain named Mirror Master who travels between mirrors, and he is basically, he's running from her, and he's trying to break every mirror in sight because it's Halloween and she's coming out of them, and it's just, it, it was it was nicely done. I liked it. Oh, wow, I didn't even read that one. I Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to read all of them, but uh, of the ones that I did read, I loved. I definitely liked the, the Superman Flash race. The Wonder Woman story was kind of neat, and... Yeah, I like that one. The the Superman story was okay. I actually really like the Bizarro story. I don't really... Like, I kind of did. I, I liked moments of it. Like, I thought him mowing somebody's lawn as an act of vandalism was really cool. <laughs> but, like, I feel, I feel like nobody ever really quite gets how to do Bizarro, you know, like, like, the backwards thing, like, it's almost like they try and force the backwards thing 
when it doesn't work, you know? Like, they don't take it far enough. It's weird to say. So what about outside of comics? Like, what did you guys do for Halloween? Like, I was at work all day and all night. <laughs> uh, let's see. Mine will be short because there wasn't any, not anything overly interesting. I was, I, I went to dinner with my girlfriend and unfortunately she hasn't been doing a lot of work lately and she was really tired so we pretty much didn't do, do much other than we went home and she had never watched Halloween before so we had actually watched Halloween for, she watched Halloween for the first time. That was, that was the exciting evening that I had for Halloween. <laughs> I enjoyed it but if, I'm sure it, I'm sure other people would have would have more of an interesting Halloween story to tell. That <laughs> this being her first time, did she find it scary? Actually, unfortunately, no, she didn't. Ah, <laughs> uh. I think I think she's been spoiled by seeing other horror movies that have all come down the pike since. So you kind of know the whole, oh yeah, he's dead. No, he's not dead. And so I guess I think the impact of Halloween, especially if you if you if you see it for the first time and you haven't seen 8,000 other horror movies, I think it has much, should have much more of an impact on you. But I think, in a way, she was kind of jaded, no pun intended, because of <laughs> that. So, so I was, yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping she would enjoy it more than she did. But at least it was on Blu-ray, so at least it looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, what about you, Jim? I ended up going to a friend's house. Uh, you know, Eric, who we've had on the show. Um, yeah, Best Buy parking lot. Yeah. Yeah, oh. Best Buy parking lot, Eric. He uh, <laughs> he and his girlfriend, they invited us over. Um, it was her birthday earlier in the week, so we were celebrating the birthday. We got dressed up in costumes, and there was a chance that we might have, you know, were going to go out to, you know, go to a bar or something like that. That ended up not happening, and we just stayed in and watched uh, Dawn of the Dead. So <laughs> did did they decide not to go out because they w- didn't want to take Jim in his guy gardener vest? <laughs> no, no, actually, yeah, no. I had a few a uh, few different ideas for costumes, but like none of none of it actually materialized in time. So I ended up going as a mad scientist. Ah, yeah. I wanted to go as a uh, a Green Lantern Jedi. That that was that was what I was shooting for, but. uh Alas, it was not to be. I just wore a shirt to work that says I don't work here, and it's a da- it's the damnedest thing. Nobody asked me any questions all day. <laughs> That's nice. What do you say we take a break on that note and come back with the majority of the episode? How many times has the thought crossed your mind that the only people reading comics are forty-year-old white dudes? Well. I'm here to break that wall down. Hello everybody, my name is Alec Barry and I am the host of Teenage Wasteland, a solo cast each and every week showcasing my experiences growing old with comic books, movies, and music. You can find my show at teenagewastelandpodcast.blogspot.com or you can go over to the comic forums at thecomicforums.com and find the show thread. You can also find the show in iTunes and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash alec underscore Barry. I hope that you all join in and listen, and I will see you on the boards. Okay, and we're back. So, uh, what's going on today, Dan? Well, we're about to get into our big old stack of books, but, uh, just want to take, well, let me get this up here. Okay. 
Uh, everything we're talking about tonight, Blackest Night number four, regularly three ninety nine, was two thirty nine through DCBS. Green Lantern, Blackest Night Titans, and Superman, each of them two ninety nine. If you get them in a comic shop, all one seventy nine through DCBS. That's forty percent off the cover price. I mean, there's a lot of Blackest Night tie-ins still to come, and Discount Comic Book Service can help you get them all mailed right to your door. It's DCBService.com for all your space zombie needs. So, what do you want to start with? I believe we should probably start with Superman Blackest Night number three. All right. This. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me, like, you couldn't wait to see what I thought of the conclusion of this thing. Oh, yeah. All right, just just a quick rundown. Uh, it opens in the middle of everything, you know. Supergirl's fighting her father on New Krypton. Superman's fighting other Superman and Superboy in Smallville. Psycho Pirate's doing his psycho-y, piratey things. Ma Kent's being her, you know, her usual badass self. Crypto disarms. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? Black Lantern Lois and kills her somehow. The Kryptonians figure out how to make a shield to keep out Black Lanterns somehow. Uh, Connor Kent, <laughs> Connor Kent breaks free of Psycho Pirate's hold, steals his mask, and uses it to kill the Black Lantern Superman and, and Psycho Pirate. And then Clark and Connor resolve to go out and keep fighting the good fight after they rebuild the entire town of Smallville. So, this one, I mean, all right, granted, this this was not a good ending. This is <laughs> just like Batman before it. It ended on like a kind of vague, well, the bad guys are gone, live to fight another day, let's spread the word and help our friends kind of note. Yeah. But I will say this for it, I like how they got rid of the Black Lanterns. Because Psycho Pirate's mask evokes emotion. So, like, when Connor used it on Black Lantern Superman, it's like he's hitting with, like, the full spectrum at once, which is basically what it takes to kill a Black Lantern anyway. So that made sense to me. Right. Yeah. Well, well, like, let me stop you right there because, like, okay, so we see him take out Superman, Black Lantern Superman. But with Psycho Pirate, he's, like, headed towards him says, here, creep, look at me, and he's just holding the mask, like, you know, far away from his face, and, like... That could have been the moment before. But, like, they, they, like, clip away from the Psycho Pirate thing, and then, like, the next thing you know, you have, you know, Connor just, like, popping up and looking at, you know, Black Lantern Superman with the mask with a ring attached to it. Like, they, they couldn't be bothered with showing you you know, him getting, you know, Psycho Pirate getting taken out, like, uh, it's just, yeah, well, the ring's on there, so you just kind of assume that Psycho Pirate was killed with the basketball set. Yeah. I think they wanted to save it as a surprise, just in, like, because, I mean, really, the big villain of this was Black Lantern Superman, so they wanted that, like, maybe to keep it ambiguous for, like, an extra page until you got to see him taken out. What are, your, what are your thoughts, Mark? I do think that the part... I do agree that the Psycho Pirate part seemed to be kind of, like, glossed over in a way. That... I'm not sure... I, that could be why they did it. They could have... Since the main focus was fighting, you know, Kal-El, you know, Black Lantern, Superman, that maybe they 
just didn't feel it was necessary. You would assume it by what by what you would see what you see happen to uh, Black Lantern Superman. I did like how they. I I also did. I agree. I did like how they got rid of Black Lantern Superman by basically making a Black Lantern feel and then having all the parts of the emotional spectrum kind of hit him at once and like short circuit the Black Lantern. Kind of following the theme that we're kind of seeing throughout all the issues of the basic of the same kind of idea of how you stop a black lantern crossing over the emotional spectrum or just having no emotion or having complete lack of emotion really being completely unaffected by emotion and they all seem to have the same effect of without without emotion black lantern is kind of useless it can't do what it needs to do and if it and if you force a black lantern to feel then it's almost like hitting it with the white light itself all over again too the white light of creation so I didn't. I did think the ending was high, a little high and dry, but not quite as high and dry as Batman. Batman seemed really high and dry. I came. I read it like, wow, yeah, the, this is kind of somewhat interesting, maybe, but no, I was disappointed. At least, at least you get a little bit more closure, I think, in the end of uh, Blackest Night Superman than you did yeah. with Batman. I agree with that, but kind of on that point, there. All right, there's there are three things that really stuck out to me about this issue. Okay. And one of them is directly on that point. And, the, like, the three things are all bad. All right, in terms of closure, there's really no resolution to Black Lantern Lois. Because, like, all they did was, like, Crypto ripped her arm off and hit her with heat vision. Yeah. It's like, she's she should still be out there. Um, <laughs> did, did, like, did either of you notice as you finished reading this, there was nothing on Pa Kent... One of the big things going into this miniseries was like, oh man, they're gonna bring back Superman's dad, like who, you know, Jeff Johns just recently killed before Blackest Night. So it's like, and and they didn't address his body at all in this in this issue. Like, like okay, if they're gonna stop him from becoming a Black Lantern somehow, but I I just thought it was so weird that it just wasn't mentioned again. Almost the whole reason for doing it was just because they knew that would get the emotional reaction out of of Superman and Superboy, and that was the main reason why they that maybe the maybe the intent or Black Lantern Superman's intent was never really to raise Pa Kent, but just to try to get force that force all those emotions out of Superman and and Connor, and then use that to be able to get get their hearts. So maybe I mean yes, it seems like it was kind of like a a red herring kind of like thrown out there to get you to think that oh he's gonna they're gonna raise him they're gonna raise him i definitely do agree that they didn't they kind of didn't touch upon it again they kind of get you in issue one and that's kind of where it stands well i I i think it's probably more to the effect that they were allowed to show his you know his grave or whatever but they weren't allowed to bring him back because that's probably what they're gonna you know pull out in like you know the last few issues like the big guns basically yeah. Well, at least we got to see Ma Kent kick some ass, huh? <laughs> yeah. And my big dis- like my last big disappointment was like Black Lantern Superman is like a non character in this issue. Like he's like the big bad of the story and he got so much page time and so much dialogue in the first two issues. Here he speaks like twice and he's like you could count on one hand almost the t- amount of times he's on panel. It's so it's <laughs> like it's like they shifted the focus away from him completely at the end. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 two other points that I, I didn't really like was, you know, like, Connor, he's completely under the control of Psycho Pirate, and, like, 
he just snaps out of it, like, at the very last moment, like, just like that. You know, like, there's, no, no, there's nothing to really, I guess, you know, uh... Justify it. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly it. It's just like, you know, what what's... It just seems so arbitrary. Like, oh, he's under the, his control. There's no way that, you know, he can, you know, get out of the control. Superman is, like, saying things to him, like, you know, I'm your brother, and, you know, you know, you can't do this. You have to snap out of it. That doesn't work at all. But, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. And, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, then arbitrarily he just snaps out of it. So, yeah, that, that I didn't like. And then the other thing is, okay, on New Krypton, I can, I can be okay with the fact that Kryptonians can somehow figure out how to create a generator that keeps away Black Lanterns. You know, they're Kryptonians, whatever. They can do whatever. They have Kryptonian yeah, science. Yeah. But I mean, like, they say, oh yeah, it, the field is gonna generate like three miles up, and, you know, you basically have to be inside of it, and he has to be outside of it, you know, when that happens. And, you know, it's not the kind of thing where, like, you know, they team up and punch him as hard as they can to, like, you know, rocket him away from the planet. Like, it's at the very last moment, and the field, you know, gets generated, like, it's it's so freaking close, it takes off his hand, and, like, that's it. Like, they just saved Supergirl's life. Like, if Supergirl was, like, you know, an inch further out into space, she would have a few less toes right now. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, it just, it's so, it's, like, suspenseful for the sake of being suspenseful when it doesn't actually make sense. Yeah. I like how they kind of made her mom come off as kind of good in this because i haven't read the well other than the one issue that we read for the show i haven't read any of new krypton i plan to but everything i'm hearing is like she's basically a real bitch so i'm I'm, i kind of i kind of liked her in this issue i don't know it's I i think i think the new the new krypton angle of this story came off the best in this issue all right let's we'll move on to titans Yes. Alright. Titans 2 and 3, we're gonna kinda talk about together as one thing. Like, basically, the summary here is, like, Donna Troy's dead husband and baby show up. The baby bites her. She gets all funky from it. Uh, Wonder Girl and Kid Flash come to save her. But, meanwhile, you know, outside, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Cyborg are fighting some dead Titans, including Terra, who sinks the tower into the ground, which leaves, you know, the aforementioned three trapped. Donna starts having some weird seizures as she gets the Black Lantern emblem in her eye. You've got lots of fighting, and then, you know, Hawk... No, what's the other one? Dove. Yeah, Dove, the female current Dove, is fighting against both Black Lantern Hawks, both the original and her sister. Uh, She realizes she can't take both of them, so she goes to the Titans for help. And now it's... It's the whole group of them against the the whole mass of Black Lantern Titans who, you know, their numbers keep growing because you got Tempest who got killed in the Blackest Night series itself, I think issue two or three. You've got, like, all of these different guys showing up that I don't even recognize half of them. When all of a sudden, back up against the wall, Dove gets this, 
weird vision of the original dove, Don Hall. Just saying, like, you know, you know, you can save him, them, it's not too late, blah, blah, blah. And she just starts emitting this, this white light from her body that just wipes out almost every Black Lantern on site. I think uh, the Malehawk, Tempest, and Terra are the only ones that make it out, you know, quote-unquote, alive. And they fly away. And the Titans have this kind of, you know, well, we've lived to fight another day moment that the other minis have had to. So, thoughts on this? I liked it. Yeah, me too. I didn't think it it was too bad at all. I think it was the best one of the of the minis so far. Yeah. I think compared to Superman and Batman, I think Titans. Even though I, I don't usually I don't read Titans on a regular basis, I more or less picked it up because it was a Blackest Night tie-in. This, these three issues, but I did think that it was it certainly was interesting. And the stuff related to Dove, both the current and the old, I think that, that was interesting enough. And just seeing how, like we kind of talked about before, related to Superman, seeing how there's. Essentially, there's different ways to stop and destroy Black Lanterns, but they're all kind of along the same basic principle. Now, I thought that Blackest Night Titans overall was was good, and even though I guess the ending was in the same vein of of the other two series, that it doesn't you get some a little bit of resolution, but not much. I, I it seems to I don't think it bothers me much in in the Titans. I think I think that kind of it intrigues you more. I think it kind of makes whets your appetite a little bit more to see what's going to happen with, as opposed to Superman and Batman, where it just kind of seemed like okay, to a certain extent. Like, what was the point of some of this anyway? Not all of it, but some of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I haven't really read much Donna Troy since she was in Kyle series all the time. So this is like this is one of the first times in, all, in years I've read the character, and she kicks ass. I mean this. Like, she does one of the things that bug the hell out of me about Kilowog, is, like, she gets, like, she sees through this. As hard as it is for her to do, she understands what has to be done. She kills, well, she doesn't kill them, but she doesn't know the rings will rebuild them, so, for all intents and purposes, she kills these um, these Black Lanterns masquerading as her dead husband and baby. Like, yeah. this had to be the the hardest thing in the world for her to ever do. And she did it because she knew, like, like she knew they had to be stopped. And, like, this... And even when they show up again, like, you get that moment where you realize, like, oh, my God, she understands she's going to have to go through that a second time, maybe a third, maybe a fourth. Yeah. And, like, it was such a good... Like, it makes me want to read more Donna Troy. It, this... I, you know, like like you were saying, Mark, like this one seems to have like the most, uh, you know, satisfying or, you know, impact. You read this and it's kind of like giving you a setup that like, okay, well, now you have Donna Troy who's got this, you know, this bite from a Black Lantern. By the end of the issue, she's, she's like looking at them in Black Lantern vision. And, you know, that's, I'm sure that's going to play a part in Blackest Night. And then, you know, the, the character Dove, who can, you know, just kind of take out these Black Lanterns by having them touch her, or, you know, emitting the, the white light, or, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, the, these are, I think, are concepts that are actually going to, you know, have a role in, you know, the Blackest Night story. The, this, this third issue, the second issue and the third issue, I think the art was probably... A little bit more, you know, up and down. 
you, you had more highs, you know, and the, the the highs were higher and the lows were lower kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, like, I have to say, like, if Ed Benes drew a Hawk and Dove, like, series or miniseries or whatever, I would, like, buy it in a heartbeat. Hell, I take a Dove book at this point. Like, the character's interesting. Yeah, seriously. So, I guess we should talk about the fact that Dove has this whole white light thing going on. Okay. Now, the for, what I've been taking from it is the idea that she's... Well, she, well, she First of all, her power comes from the Lords of Order. Right. Which is these, like, high-end, mystical, universal whatevers that are all about order. And we know Don Hall, the original Dove, can't be raised because he's at peace. So, I don't know, I'm... Part of me thinks, like, maybe because of her connection to the Lords of Order, all of her emotions are in perfect balance. And that's what's giving off this white aura. And that's why she can't be affected by the Black Lanterns like a regular person. Hmm. And why she doesn't give off any... Because, I mean, if you look at any other person on that last page, you know, you know, Starfire is torn between her anger and her compassion and her hope. Whereas like Dove is like there's none of that. There's no conflicting emotions. So like maybe they're all in perfect harmony with each other. Well if that was the case then then how that doesn't really explain why Don Hall could not be raised. You know, because like it doesn't depend on your emotional state to raise you. It's more along the lines of if you're there, you know well, it, to put it, you know, bluntly, like, if the, the Big Bad has your memory program to download into a ring, then, you know, you can be, you know, raised. So, you know, it, it makes me think that maybe this is, like, you know, a clue as far as maybe there's not just, you know, the, the Big Bad's realm. Right. I mean, overall, like, I don't have a lot of negative things to say about this miniseries, which is like, and this is the one that everyone was like, oh, why the hell are they doing that? This is going to suck. And honestly, when we did the first issue, I was kind of like, eh, because I thought the big reason anyone would care is because of the white light reading on Dove. I thought that would be it. But like, this was really good. I mean, like, uh, the only thing I really want to bring up is that Like, I thought this was a little weak. They were completely inconsistent with the state of the, uh, of, uh, Donna, Cassie, and Bart being trapped in issue two to issue three. Like, in issue two, when the tower goes, like, falls underground, there's this giant mass of rubble between them and the Black Lanterns, and they make a point of saying that, okay, Kid Flash can't use his speed, or the vibrations might bring the whole thing down on them. And then in issue three, there's the Black Lantern just kind of strolling in because there's nothing blocking the way at all. And they have Bart just like running in his costumes, running up to the surface and fighting people. It's like, oh, okay, why not? <laughs> yeah. I have a problem with that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Overall, it was good, so I think that's probably why. Like, yeah. certainly compared to the other, other two miniseries so far, I think, I think there was enough interesting material in it made you like, kind of thought-provoking as far as whether this is going to factor in, not necessarily the eventual outcome of Blackest Night, but just during part of the resolution anyway, or some of the battles that are fought in the, in the last four issues or so. 
I think that makes it worth it alone. Right? And it and the and the white light, yes, the thing related to Dove and and Don Hall and everything. I think it, I just think it all it makes it, it does make it more interesting. And then and then even the, the kind of like the pseudo cliffhanger with uh, Donna Troy makes it interesting because she kind of has that scar look in her eye, and then you just kind of wonder how how that's going to play out as the series goes on, to, as the Black of Night goes on. And they even made. Starfire not annoying anymore. Those <laughs> issue three got amazing. Well, not amazing, but like it. It seems like it's it, it's the lowest point was issue one, and it just went up. So that's that's good. Uh, shall we head into Green Lantern number forty-seven now? Take it. Okay, Abin Sir returns. Uh, this issue starts out. It's got uh, it's on uh, Yasmalt. You have Green Lanterns fighting Red Lanterns, fighting Black Lanterns, and you have the uh, the four of the five inversions that were killed by Atrocitus come back as Black Lanterns. They, you know, they're, you know, talking to Atrocitus, and all of a sudden they rip out his heart, at which point it's revealed that Atrocitus doesn't need it. Because of his red ring that beats for his heart and pumps his blood with his rage, so you know he's uh, he's you know lives to keep fighting even without his heart. Meanwhile, over on Korrigar, you have Abin Sir and his sister Arin Sir, and they're using their black rings to take out the light brigade of Hal Jordan, Sinestro, Indigo One, and Carol Ferris. They kind of split up into teams to each take on one of the Black Lanterns. And, you know, Hal's taking on Abin Sir, Sinestro's taking on Arin, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he gets a backup from Indigo 1. And uh, we, we see Arin, like, not as a Black Lantern for a second, and then all of a sudden... Green Lantern, and everybody else just kind of, like, aims their light and destroys both of the Black Lanterns. But before Abin, sir... Wait, is that Abin or Arin? That's Abin. Yeah, but before Abin gets, you know, kaput, he says, Indigo, I know you. I... And that's it. He's gone. Hal Jordan asks Sinestro, who was she? And he says, Abin's sister, who was she to you? Nobody. So, you know, he's basically, uh, you know, wants to put that out of his head. Now, they all have, like, a little powwow again, saying, okay, who's going to lead, blah, 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 blah. Of course, Hal Jordan, he wants to be in the pilot seat. They decide to go get some help, and they got to first get the help of the Blue Lanterns, because they're the only ones who can put out the fire of the Red Lanterns. Then we clip to Zanshi in Sector 1313. You have Jon Stewart. He comes down to the planet. He sees what appears to be a Green Lantern power battery in the, you know, muck. And there's a Black Lantern that's, like, watching him who has a Green Lantern ring on her finger. I'm suspecting that it's a her but we don't actually know yet. Then we clip to Odom, the homeworld of the Blue Lantern Corps. The Blue Lanterns are, you know, still getting, you know, beaten by the Orange Lanterns. 
when just in the nick of time, the Light Brigade pops in there to recruit St. Walker, and that's the exact same moment that the Orange Lanterns just start to disappear, probably because Agent Orange is, uh, you know, otherwise preoccupied. <laughs> uh, we clip to Okara, and we see why <laughs> Agent Orange yeah. Larflees is occupied. It's because he's got a whole bunch of Black Lanterns that are the, you know, the fallen, that, uh, the fallen orange lanterns that, you know, he killed. They're all coming after him. And just as they're about to get him, they, I guess they're destroyed or, you know, otherwise sent away because in comes Atrocitus, who wants Larflees' power battery. And that's it. You're really married to this light brigade name, aren't you? I just needed something to call him. Okay. Probably better than the dream team, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to call them those guys. <laughs> um, something I picked up on, which I have a feeling you'll have more to say about than I will. Right. But uh, Hanu's ring identifies the inversions as coming from Riot. That's the planet that the uh, Black Central Battery is on. And I don't think we knew that. I don't think we knew they were from there. Well, um, you know, it's it's weird because it, it almost seems like they're, you know, playing, like, you know, fast and loose with the uh, Riot and Yasmolts, you know, kind of thing. Like, where people came from. Like, I'm sure that once they get the explanation on the massacre of Sector 666, because it's all in Sector 666. Yeah. So, you know, whether or not they were massacred here or there or one place or the other, like, one of the things that I was uh, noticing was that story that we read in the Green Lantern Core Quarterly. It's about to bring that up. Yeah, like, that was all on the planet Ysmalt. I think in there it referenced Ysmalt as being the, the Empire's throne world, so, like... That yeah. could be where they rule from, but not where their home is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I chalk that up to we're going to have to wait and see to clear all that up. Uh, one more thing about that same panel. Why the hell would the Guardians let even a reference to the massacre exist? Because, I mean, like, he's, he has this ring, oh, who are these people? He says, oh, this is who they are. You know, sub-reference, Massacre of, of Space Sector 666 Classified. Like, why, why even have, why even let the rings do that? Why give them that amount of information? It's like, we killed this whole region of space, we don't want anybody to know about it, but if you Google it, it'll tell you, oh, sorry, this webpage about the massacre of Sector 666 is not available. Oh, it might be the kind of thing where, because you're face-to-face with the foreign versions right now, the ring feels that you need, like, a tiny little nugget more of information. Oh, maybe. Oh. You know, it's like, it's the kind of thing where you're doing a Google search on your cell phone, but, like, if you did a Google search when you were on OA, then it wouldn't come up with any results. But if you do a Google, research, you know, search, like, you know, when your, you know, GPS says that you're in a specific location 
then it would come up with, you know, different results that get unlocked because of your GPS location. Mm. Sorry, I'm just picturing the Google logo with Mogo as one of the O's. <laughs> and this, so on something that you brought up, can a black ring make a black lantern look like a normal person if they want to? Because Aaron does it here for a minute, and it was bugging the hell out of me that Black Lantern Jade over in Green Lantern Corps doesn't look like a corpse. Martian Manhunter kind of did that too, didn't he? <laughs> he did. I, I at first thought that was just because he was a shapeshifter. That's true too. Yeah, I, I think I chalked that up to him being a shapeshifter in those issues. I mean, I guess it's not that big of a stretch considering, like, these things can reform your body from nothing, so I guess if they felt the desire to, they could regenerate a little further for appearances, but I don't know. And to get the emotional response, too. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, that panel there where she just looks back at Sinestro, she pro- looks, like, like, a little loving, a little vulnerable, like, that would probably help her cause. Yeah. Especially because one of the things that surprised well didn't surprise me entirely because you've kind of seen it coming, but it's still been, it's one of those things where it's like a big turning point or a big scene in a movie that makes you feel like really pumped, even though you kind of know it's coming when it happens, it still makes you feel that way. That Sinestro feels compassionate, and that's probably one of the, one, one of the, the one emotion in the spectrum you probably figured you were un, the most unlikely to see Sinestro feel throughout any of this would be compassion. Yeah. So I kind of, so it would make sense I related to her that he would feel compassion. Yeah. I think I remember them saying earlier, like, compa- like real compassion is one of the more rare emotions you can find right. in the universe. So, like, that says a lot that he was feeling it. Um, the, uh, the thing where Abin Sir says, uh, Indigo, I know you, I, and then the connection is severed. I mean, like, they're, they're really, really setting up Indigo 1 as, as somebody, somebody important. Yeah, I was really hoping we would get more of that here. You know, my my theory so far has been that it's uh, it is actually Aaron Sir. You know, where you have to die and like give up everything, including your body, to to become a an Indigo Lantern. But um, hmm. I don't know. Like they they had said stuff about you know that we'd see Sinestro's sister at some point. They had said that at a convention, well, Jeff Johns. Well, I, I mean, if it, if Indigo One was her, was his sister, I think, like we would have seen or heard something by now, especially from Sinestro, or he would have had some kind of reaction to her. Unless she looks completely different than she used to. I know someone speculated that. I think I mentioned it to Jim at one point uh, when we were talking uh, that. Uh, Someone speculated that, that it might be Abinsur's wife. The Indigo One could be Abinsur's wife, which would mm-hmm. which would be why that he would she would have the connection to Abin and also know and know of Sinestro. That's true. I'm sticking to my theory that he's that she's some random person he helped and went from there. Yeah, but at this well now you have Abinsur knowing her also. So well, it's... no, I mean like some random person that Abinsur helped and just told like, hey. If you run into this guy Sinestro, he's my best friend. He'll help you. Did uh, did Abin Sir have a daughter? I don't know. I don't think so. That we know of. I mean, that we know of. <laughs> there's so much about his past that we have no idea about. So you know, anything's fair game. Like 
This could have been his live-in housekeeper. We have no idea. That she, <laughs> Indigo One could have walked his dog every Tuesday. Because I, <laughs> I mean, if it's his daughter, like say he had a daughter that you know when he died, she was very young. He would have no idea what she looks like now. None of them would have have any idea what she looks like now. But like you know, he could all of a sudden be like, you know, wait a second, I just saw like a glimmer in her eye. Could that be Indigo? I know you. You're my daughter, you know? But then it's too late. You know, I don't know. I think ultimately, I think it's gonna, the answer is gonna be something simple. Cause like, Black as Night as a whole, for as much as going on, like, it's, it's not that complicated of a story. I don't think they're gonna take like too many really crazy twists and turns with this, you know? Mm. Thoughts on Zanshi? Zanshi, like, th- give me the obligatory one page of Jon Stewart. Yeah. That I I'm really wondering if they're gonna go through with giving him a whole damn issue. I gotta tell um, I really like the kind of photo negative city. That was nice and creepy. Yeah. I have two questions about Zanchi. Is that Katma? And why the hell is that green ring still there? Yeah. Or the battery, for that matter. Yeah. I don't know. I just like ugh. Like part of, part of me is tempted to just like like rip out all of the John Stewart pages from the last like the last six months and bind them together into one issue, so we have like a John Stewart narrative or a part of the story instead of just like having it like piecemeal all over the place. Um, what you go at the bottom of that page, like just to the left of John Stewart, there's like a little bit of rubble. And it almost looks like it could be like a a symbol, like one of the symbols for the uh, the different light cores. Yeah. Looks um, kind of like hope. Yeah, like either hope or possibly like fear, maybe. But I wonder if that's like you know a clue as far as you know what they had said as far as Zanshi not being as innocent as he thought in the War of Light. Yeah, I hope I can't wait for the John Stewart. Is the John Stewart issue next issue? Um, I don't know. It's the one after, isn't it? The one after it? I think it's the one after because the, the next one is the one that had St. Walker solicited on the cover. So you assume that it's probably. Mm, I, I think I think St. Walker is supposed to be issue forty-eight. So I'm guessing forty-nine could be John. Right. Yeah, this th- this says next the new Guardians. Yeah, I'm waiting with bated breath for that John Stewart issue. Um, alright, on a more positive note, this is refreshing. You know, nobody is buying what the Black Lanterns are selling. I mean, the most we get is we get some hesitation from Sinestro, and yeah. even then, doesn't play into their hands. Yeah. I wanted to ask, because this is something you brought up, do you guys think this idea of the personalities and memories of Black Lanterns being the result of the the Black Rings running some kind of simulator program will turn out to be true? Yes, because it's it's come up at least two or three times now, and it sta- it stands out to me because none of the characters who've talked about it really have any reason to believe it or evidence to back it up. It is true. Okay, I, think, okay. I, <laughs> I agree. I think it pro- I think it is true. I think it's more like more that the rings basically kind of grow the body and use the memories. Then, but it's true. There's not a lot of proof yet. And I don't, I don't really want to spoil anything, but um, I'm not speaking from opinion. <laughs> oh God! 
Moving on then. Um, what about the Agent I, Orange part? Did you think that, did you, I thought, I, mean, I really, as a whole, I really liked this issue. Of all the issues we're talking about, this is the one that I liked the most. I oh mean, yeah, I thought the I thought the artwork on on Odom was kind of shaky at best, but yeah. I, but as far as the overall content, the story, I thought it was really excellent. And as a as a lover of the Blue Lanterns, it's kind of finally glad to get <laughs> Agent Orange off their back. So that was kind of cool when they showed up. Just seeing the rings come back online again was pretty cool. I like I like that a lot. Yeah, I feel like this weight is lifted off of me because I don't have to wait like wait for this storyline to come to a head anymore like all right they're there the the war quote-unquote between blue and orange is over and we can move on with our lives and actually see the blue people do something that that is true they have been but but when you think about it in a way it kind of always made sense even though we didn't want this to be the case because for the most part we all like the blue lanterns and the blue lantern i mean everybody there's that dark part of people that like the you know that like the red lanterns and maybe a little bit like Agent Orange just because he's kind of an interesting character. But I think the, the core that most people I think feel closest to, and that's my opinion anyway, besides the green are the blues. So we all kind of wanted to see the blues in action, and we and most people just seem to like St. Walker and what the blues stand for and Ganford and Sade and everything. But based on their own oath about you know the about when looking to the stars. You know, if all burns bright at the darkest, you know, at the darkest moment, that that would make sense. That the blues would kind of be out of out of it till, towards the very end, and that's when they would do their thing. So it was good to see them get back essentially into the game. And you know, from this point on, just by reading the solicits and everything else, that you know that pretty much, you know, St. Walker is going to be be a major factor. I guess I was a little disappointed. I mean, the atrocities showing up at the end. I know Kara was great, but I, I kind of I was I think I was a little disappointed that I thought we were going to have more of a battle between the, the avatars of Agent Orange and the actual the pseudo corpses of his his core fighting each other. That was oh, a yeah. little disappointing, I thought. Yeah, yeah. If Blackest Night ends without me getting to see two versions of Glomulus go at it. I am <laughs> going to be pissed. Like I will not let that go. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Um, yeah. Like with the uh, the whole you know update on the Blue Lanterns, I think Saint Walker has literally been in the grasp of a bunch of Orange Lanterns for like four months now. That's it true. Means... It is true. <laughs> um, yeah, and the art there, you know, it's it's surprising because like you know you have these pages where it is it is shaky, um, and you know it's just like it's just kind of like almost almost muddy, and then you, like, you turn the page, and it's, like, like this amazing, you know, page of Larfleys, and then the full-page spread of, uh, you know, Atrocitus. It's just, like, oh, my God. Like, it's, like, night and day. It's, like, absolute night and day. He draws a great Atrocitus. There's no doubt about that. In the begin- Even in the, in the beginning when they were, fight- when he was facing off with the, with the foreign versions, that it was really interesting. But, yeah, for some reason, it's, when that part on Odom is just, I mean, it just stands out like a sore thumb because his, I mean, you hate to criticize anyone, but looking at, but his St. Walker is horrible in this, in this issue. It doesn't even oh, look God. like St. Walker. Yeah. Well, I, I looked back. There's actually four inkers on this book. Really? Yeah, there's, it, under inks, it lists, uh, and I'm probably going to mispronounce some of these, Christian Alme. Al, yeah, Alme. Monkey, and, oh, I guess Doug Monkey inks some of his own stuff. Monkey and Tom, N-G-U-Y-E-N, I don't know how to say that. 
with Mark Irwin. So there was, yeah, there were four people inking this book at the same time. Mm. And, like, I, the, the first place I really noticed it was, you know, the page where the, where, uh, your, your pet light brigade are starting to get into, like, just little argument after they take out the two black lanterns. That, every, everything up to that page is the same kind of crisp line work that we've gotten since Doug Monkey took over the book. And then on this page, it just starts getting all sketchy and flaky. And then it'll just, like, it, it bounces away from that when we go to Okara, and then it becomes completely different when we go to Odom. And then it goes back to to normal, quote-unquote, when we go back to... I think I saw Okara and says Zanchi, but you know what I mean. Like, it bounces all over the place. Yeah. And not to mention, I'm going to say this again, I'm probably going to say it every single episode, but... Doug Monkey does a piss poor Saint Walker. I I I don't know if he's like has he ever even seen a picture of this character before? Because like he, he like this isn't even like the right character design for this guy. Like I'm waiting for him to show up in a Blackest Night miniseries issue so he can look good again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. To me, it's I mean definitely I mean I would have to go back and flip through the other issues with the brief cameos of the orange and the. And the uh, blue is fighting, but to me, that same Walker clearly there's just something completely off about the way he looks in this issue far and above. Just cause, maybe because you get so many close-ups of his face in, the, in these few panels, and you just can tell just by looking at all the other pictures of Saint Walker, or looking at the figure even, and it looks very little like Saint Walker at all. Yeah, mm. like he gave him like different shaped eyes. He put all these like black this diamonds true, yeah. all over his face for some reason. It's yeah, like face tattoos. I wonder if they're Sinestro's tracking devices, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his face almost looks like his Amaron face. Huh. <laughs> Writing, I thought, was really good. Although Carol's, you know, love it or hate it line was terrible. Love it or hate it, we have to stand together. It's just I was like, wow, really? Okay. <laughs> well, she stands for love. She's got to get the... Uh... She's got to get her digs in there. Yeah, she works on commission, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, we have to talk about this. Those three or so panels of the group of them standing together, blasting the hell out of Abin and Aaron were awesome. Like, this is finally getting to the kind of color interaction we've been itching for, like, since this whole mess started. Right. Like, that is, is just so, just, just so cool to finally see, you know? Green Lantern splitting his beam. It, it is a little odd that, like, wh- why why is it that, you know, two lights, well, three lights have to be focused on one and two on the other? I mean, it's just because of the number of characters they had. That's nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's a much cooler visual. Like, that overhead shot wouldn't have been as impressive if, like, Sinestro was hanging back and letting everybody else fire, you know? Or maybe it's supposed to spell out something like W-I. No. What the hell is that? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding on that one. <laughs> War of Light, available on the Nintendo Wii. Go. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, shall we Shall we move on to the final book of the evening? Let's. Actually, I wanted to ask you something. 
and we'll probably find this out in a flashback later or something, but based on the end, do you think Atrocitus knows about the white light? He's done this, like, bloodletting ritual before, and he's after Larflees' power source. I didn't even think about it. I guess it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, I guess he would probably have to know. If, if Well, he's the one that developed the the red light. Well, I still say it was by accident. Okay, so the final book, we have Blackest Night number four. In this issue, we have Flash, Mera, and the Atom. They must fight the Black Lanterns in the JLA headquarters. Jason Rush Firestorm, who is merged with Black Lantern Firestorm, he, uh, Jason takes over for a second to warn them to basically just evacuate the Earth. The Atom is able to get the uh, the other two and him out of there on a phone line through a, a 911 call. We head over, we see uh, Asriel killing people in, I guess that's Gotham City? Well, Scarecrow's there, so probably Gotham. Oh, yeah, it says it here. Yeah, so uh, he's uh, killing people in Gotham City that he says doesn't deserve him. As you said, the Scarecrow is there, and he can't feel fear, so they're just kind of passing him over. Lex Luthor is basically locking himself into a giant uh, metal room to protect himself from all the people that he's ended up killing over the years. We have the Justice Society of America fighting the Black Lantern. Is that the Freedom Force? The Freedom Fighters. Freedom Fighters. They're the ones that got killed at the beginning of Infinite Crisis. Right. Uh, we find out that Alan Scott's ring is completely useless to Black Lanterns. And in a chilling scene, we see Gene Loring kill Damage. And as she uh, she takes his heart, the Black Lantern power gets up to 100%. The Black Battery gets transported to Earth. The Black Hand raises Necron who in turn raises Coast City. I like how desperate this all is. At first I thought it was kind of weird to see them trying to go against the rules that we already knew are in place for killing Black Lanterns. Because, you know, I mean, they they talk a lot about trying to find anyone with light-based powers to pitch in and trying to see if Alan Scott could stop them all by himself. But then I put it into the context of them. They, they, you know, they know there's not a lot they can do. Their whole plan is to just basically try and hold off the bad guys, not stop them. So it, it makes sense that they're willing to try anything. Important to uh, note that the, uh, like, right on the, was it the first page? Yeah, right on the first page. Martin and Jessica Jordan graves. Yes. That is going to be, oh, God, I want, I want, I want Papa Jordan to come back. That's going to be the best Black Lantern encounter of this entire thing. Something I had talked to you, Dan, about the uh, the gravestones have rings on them, like just round rings. Yeah, the circles there. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, do we think that that has any significance? Like, you, you mentioned, like, just the circle of life kind of thing. You know, could it be that that's going to have some sort of significance or something down the road? I really, I have no idea at this point. Like, let's, 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 see, what, let's see what Mark thinks. I have no, I have no idea. I have nothing. If I had to guess, I'd probably, well, you, it's hard to think that they, they, some things obviously they throw in to make you think that it means something and it doesn't. But 
I don't know if I I would tend to suspect that it doesn't mean anything just for Mar- Martin and Jessica, because if you look at the tombstone to the left, that we can't see the names on them, but they also have circles on them too. But of course, we don't know who they are. Maybe there are other. Maybe maybe it's more in the family plot. So maybe maybe it does have significance. But I can't I, I can't figure out what it is at the moment if there is one. I was surprised. Like this issue was something I didn't really think we would get. In that, you know, with with the obvious ex- exception of Alan Scott, there are no uh, well the the exception of Alan Scott and all the freaking zombies. There are no lanterns in this issue. Like no Green Lantern core, no other color core, no like they reference them a lot, but none of them are flying around doing anything. So this is very much like the Flash, the Atom, Mira, and whoever they can find grasping at straws. And like I I was really surprised. Like like I knew they were approaching this as more of a DC Universe story, but I, I and I thought like, oh well, of course there's always gonna be like some kind of core there because that's so central to it. But I don't know. I don't know. Were you guys taken taken by surprise with that? Um. Yeah. No. Not really surprised. I think. I mean, when I first when I first read it, I think I, again, based on the you know the way Hal disappeared, you kind of suspected that there wasn't going to be a whole lot of lantern tie-ins to this issue of Blackest Night. So I can't say that I wasn't <laughs> that I was surprised by it. I guess when I first read it. I think I was a little disappointed because it just seemed like it, it was kind of empty. And, and since we know that the, the lanterns, the whole the whole spectrum is going to play the major role, yeah, as far as we know, and the major role in, in defeating Necron and ending the Blackest Night, that it got, did kind of seem odd on that level and a little disappointing. But when I reread it, I actually appreciated it a lot more because I liked I liked Barry's role in this a lot. I liked I liked how he, Mara, and Ray Palmer all work together. I like I like the nine the nine one one trick too, going through the phone lines. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, but I did I and I liked and I and I liked Asriel showing up. It was kind of nice. I was I kind of liked Asriel even though the series kind of was going into the toilet at the end before they canceled it. But <laughs> I always liked Asriel as a character. So plus it kind of answers the question. Some people said, is he really dead or is he not dead? So I guess we know that he is. <laughs> but. <That's laughs> but cool. But I think, but I liked, I liked the Flash taking charge, and I li- and I liked that little line about you know basically that to Mer- to Mara and Ray Palmer that basically you're Superman and Wonder and Wonder Woman now because that's all we have left. So you guys got to step up to the plate and take that role. So yeah. I I liked it. I thought the issue I thought the issue was really good, and and I liked it was interesting at the end seeing the power battery being transported to Coast City, which, of course, may not be the greatest strategic move of all time, but certainly for impact and, and certainly makes for a good end, to, good end to the issue. You know, something you just brought up, like, I actually took note of. The whole, like, when Flash is giving his speech to Mira and Adam, how do I, how do I want to say it? I get what Johns was going for, and I absolutely agree with it in every way, but I just found the delivery to be so lame. <laughs> like I think this issue is the first time I can remember like reading Jeff Johns' dialogue that just kind of falls flat when I can tell he wanted it to really have an impact, you know? Because I mean, real realistically, this is it. Like, like okay, we need Green Lantern to beat these guys, but we don't have them. Okay, we need ideally to have Superman and Wonder Woman here, but you know what? They're not here right now. Who do we have? We have the Atom and we have Mira. So you know what? The Atom and Mira are going to step up, and they're going to do what the big guns do. 
Like, I love that concept. I love seeing, you know, lower-tier characters elevated. I'm surprised as hell that they're, that Jeff Johns latched onto these two particular characters, but, you know, I'm glad he did. But it's just, it's like, I don't know. Like, the, just the way they said that, and the exchange that follows afterwards, where, like, well, if I'm Wonder Woman and you're Superman, what's that make him? The Flash. <laughs> like, like I get, like, again, I get what he was going, but it was just awful. Yeah, well, um... What I think is happening, um, what I have in my notes here, like he's he's building up the the atom and he's building up Mera, um, you know, trying to build them up a lot. And from you know the way I see it, like the atom has been out of the spotlight for a while now, and I think people want the atom back. I, I think that's you know definitely something that they want to make happen, especially with next year being the 70th anniversary. I think they're, you know, they're priming the Atom to to make a comeback. Mera, on the other hand, before this, I don't think the, you know, the general DC populace, like, you know, unless you're an Aquaman fan, you really didn't care too much about Mera one way or another. Now, you know, the Blackest Night story is definitely, you know, changing that. It's making you want to know a little bit more about her. It's making you care about her. And then, like, the first page, like, the third panel down, I think it gives it gives it away. A little, you know, black box that says, and even the brightest of lights will be blown out. And it's a big picture of Mera. And I think, like, right there, it's like, well, by the time Blackest Night is over, I'm pretty sure that either she's going to die or she's going to end up sacrificing her life so that Aquaman can come back or something like that. I hope not. Because, I mean, I I like how they seem to be elevating more strong female characters. If Whether someone's in-depth in DC or not, you know, you ask them to list the first, like, prominent female superheroes that they can think of, they're going to say, like, who, Wonder Woman and Supergirl. Right. And, like, here we're given... Like, like Blackest Night so far, it's taking characters like Mira, like Dove... Like Donna Troy, and it's it's hitting home. Like, okay, these are good characters. These are cool characters. These are kick-ass characters to have around when the crap hits the fan. And I mean, it's I mean, if there's one thing that Blackest Night is achieving beyond anything else, is taking heroes that people haven't regarded very very highly in recent years, and and like bringing them up, raising their status, making them kind of badass too. I mean, like look at you know, even outside the women, look at Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Firestorm, Adam. Like, I ch- I hope it's not just going to cut off after this miniseries ends. Like, some of those characters obviously will continue on to to Justice League, presumably. But I don't know, a character like Mira, I hope we get to see her after this. <laughs> we'll see. And I hope Adam gets his costume fixed soon. <laughs> the half mask thing bugs me. <laughs> You notice they have uh, fry vats in the Justice League of America kitchen. <laughs> Do they? Yeah, that was funny. You took note of that? Wow. Yeah, I, you know, I just I think it's funny that like Superman and Batman have a kitchen where they can make French fries. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's silly to me. What'd you go? What'd you guys think of like the last person? 
you know, to put the power levels at 100%. Damage? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if there's significance to it. There might very well be, but it did seem like, on, on the surface, it would seem like a seem like a, an odd choice. I mean, his death did take me by surprise. Like, as soon as they registered hope on that panel beforehand, I kind of knew. Yeah. But, like, the fact that it happened, like, through the back, and that it was Gene Loring, Ray's wife, yeah. like, that added to it. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you. I don't know if there was any significance to choosing him in particular, but I mean, unless what they were going for was, you know, it's like, well, I'm the Adam, and you know, it's the same name as the dude that was your father, kind of thing. So I'm gonna kind of watch over you for now, and it, it's his, you know, dead wife that ends up killing him. Maybe this turns him into an Indigo Lantern. Because that's one thing that I had, you know, mentioned as a possibility. I don't know. I doubt, I, I kind of doubt that too now, but uh-huh, I win. <laughs> just throwing it out there. It's, you know, it's like, like I, I like damage, and I, I've liked damage for a while. So, you know, killing him sucks. But uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's going to have a significance as far as like how he was the last person. So. I love Barry's reaction to power levels hitting 100, though. That that one right there, that has got to be because he is a resurrected person. Yeah. So, so what do you think of like now? Now let's discuss the you know the transporting of the power battery, the raising of Necron, and uh, and Co City and the Book of the Black. You guys have any thoughts? All right. Well, I guess now it's safe for us to say that the Necron thing was spoiled for absolutely everyone, like, three months ago. Yeah. Because, like, it was the cover of, like, previews or something. Yeah. And so, all right, we knew Necron was coming. It was just Mara getting there. But the whole, like, it's it's so odd how, like, power levels hit 100%. Okay. The battery transports, all right, whatever. There's this big dramatic explosion of the hand mortuary. Black Hand's standing there all badass with his cape flying in the wind, Barry's flying backwards. And then Black Hand just kind of says Necron rise and Necron crawls out of the hole. Like, it, it, I was like rearranging this in my head. Like, if the power level spiked and then we get Black Hand's yelling Necron rise and then everything explodes and then the battery's there and Necron's coming out, like, that would have been so much more dramatic to me. I'm probably being picky. I do that. Well, Necron doesn't climb out of the hole. He actually climbs out of the ground, like, a few feet away from the hole. Oh, you're right. And then he brings back Coast City. Now, I mean, I, I guess, Mark, what what do you think of the Book of the Black? The thing that, actually, before we get, get to the Book of the Black, the thing that's, that's fine, I also, it would make sense that it would happen, considering that they're not going to just leave him out there, like, hanging in a closet or something, but I just find it interesting that not only does the battery come, but they bring the Guardians with it. Because at first, I, I, for whatever reason, I guess I didn't I didn't notice the Guardians kind of like being like a Christmas ornament wrapped around the tree there. <laughs> but, but, that's, but there they are. But So, yeah, the Book of the Black, the thing that I I found really interesting was the, la- like the, the last two lines about how their lie will be exposed and willpower will no longer be theirs to control. Yes. 
that's really intriguing just to how that I mean that just makes you wonder entirely what a the lie is going to be and b how exactly are they going to lose control of it and did someone else gain gain control of it well okay so I'm reading all this and you know the uh just you know I'll make a note that the, the Book of the Black this time around was uh, willpower. You know, we've had love, we've had uh, anger and hatred. Um, and I, I think for the rest of them, the different Books of the Black are going to be about the different, you know, the rest of the different colors of the spectrum. But um, what I'm thinking right now is that, you know, with everything, with the the Black Hand saying how, it's it's buried under Coast City, and you know there's, there's something buried here, and it was right under you know the Black Hand Mortuary. I think that Earth is Maltus. I think that Earth is actually where the Guardians came from originally, because I, I I don't think that we've you know heard like where Maltus actually is ever. I think it's always, like, you know, unknown sector or whatever like that. It is one of the only, like, classic planets that hasn't come into play yet, too. Right. So, like, going by this logic, it could be that Necron is actually a Malthusian. Like, he could be, like, from the same race that spawned the Guardians, Krona, the Controllers, and the the, the, the Zamorans. That would explain why his, like, his original body would be on Earth. Now, I don't know if that's, like, if it's actually supposed to be that, you know, he was buried on Earth, or if it's just some sort of symbolic where he's coming out, like, of a portal, you know, on Earth. But, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, like, Earth is Malthus. And the other thing that I was thinking of then was you have Krona, one of the, you know, Malthusians who, you know, a guardian, like, the others, he, you know, Krona created a machine to look at the the beginning of time, and when he did that, that's when, you know, he created the multiverse by, by looking back there. Now, they've never, like, explained this, but the Earth has always been kind of, like, said to be the center of the multiverse. Now, why would the Earth be the center of the multiverse Unless it was actually Maltus, where that was the originating point of the whole multiverse, you know, to begin with. So, you know, you know, you have that. Then, you know, you also look at the fact that, you know, the power of the star sapphires, you know, it's the uh, the hawks. That power came from Earth. Now, if Earth is actually Maltus, then obviously the the guardians come from there and they would have figured out the power of green there on earth and with uh the agent orange storyline they had you know run a heist on maltus and that's where they found parallax in a box which means that the malthusians would have figured out about yellow on earth and they had the map to the orange power which was stolen from Mal- maltus which was also on earth so it's like, if Earth is Maltus, then that means, like, it's the originating point of, you know, it's, it's the originating point of the multiverse. It's the originating point of, you know, the, you know, all the different colored lights. And it would, it would make a lot of sense why the Black Lantern battery is now on Earth 
everything you said about like the different emotion power originating on Earth, that does make a lot of sense, and it does seem to track with what they've said before about how Earth is one of the most densely and diversely populated planets out there, thus it's, you know, it would be one of the most emotionally diverse. Um, so, like, I could definitely, I could see that, definitely. The one thing I wanted to say, though, was, like, I think in Infinite Crisis, like, like you might be right about, like, the first multiverse, but, like, in Infinite Crisis, when we got the, the multiverse back, I think Johns gave us, like, a good explanation there of why Earth is important to it. Because it was like, there was no multiverse. Then Alex Luther set up his big tower, Thiele, to kind of try and recreate the multiverse by splitting the current Earth, the one Earth, into all these multiples of itself. And then that thing broke, and then that's how we got the multiverse back. So it's like, the current multiverse is literally built on the back of this one Earth. So like... It's it's figuratively the center of everything. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, I guess that makes sense in that point of view. What you call it? The other the other things that I was thinking about were, uh, you know, you have the the Red Lantern, you know, main power battery. It's uh, it's on your smalls. It was generated. It was well created basically by Atrocitus. Now, what if the the Sector 666 massacre was done just, you know, like, they killed off everybody except for five five people and then locked them up. What if the Guardians did that for the sole purpose of generating enough hatred to form the red light battery? Why would the Guardians want that battery to exist? Maybe because they knew that eventually they might need it to take on the black. I don't know, because if if that happened, then I think we would be looking at, like, one or two rogue guardians doing this in secret, because I don't see the lot of them going for that, because the guardians have been all about, like, suppressing emotion and making sure emotional power does not get too large. So it's like... Well, maybe it was Krona then. Maybe he hasn't shown up. I don't, I don't. I don't know if they'll bring him into it this late in the game. I gotta tell you, like the language of this is the most interesting to me because it's like they keep referring to it as the Guardian's ultimate lie. How it's right. hidden here beneath the dead. And it, the tunnel of light they all see leads to where they least expect. And like the whole, like that that last paragraph here, Lord. When the first living creatures gained sentience and voluntarily moved, willpower was born. It is the most basic element of sentient existence, often obscured by the complexity of life. The Guardians knew this, as they knew the secret of life. Their lie will be exposed, and no, and willpower will no longer be theirs to control. There's, oh, that, it's, it's yeah. so broad, yeah. and yet it, it's gonna end up being so specific, it's like, like what are they lying about? Like one, what one nugget of information are they keeping from us? Because like, like okay, if it's if it is that Earth is Maltus, then all right. I feel like 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 what what does that mean for everything? Like it'll probably be like a little larger than we're thinking right now. Well, the other thing that I was thinking of as far as the ultimate lie, 
if the Guardians knew that, you know, at first there was darkness and that was what was in control for, you know, ever, basically, and then all of a sudden light just got generated, then, you know, whoever runs the, you know, the power of the black, you know, whoever is in charge of the darkness, you know, they they could be pretty pissed off at, like, you know, sentient, you know, living creatures. So what if the Guardians, who are immortal, and they would want to protect the living realm, you know, as much as possible, what if they created, what if they created death? What if they created, like, this limbo area, so basically, like, people could live for a while in the light, but then, you know, by the Guardians' deal that they made with the darkness, that you would eventually die and become part of the darkness's realm. Maybe, like, like an extension of the kind of pact they made with Larflees. Right. Um, well, I'll, I'll, take it one, I'll take it a step further. We know the Guardians have physically evolved over time. What if their original state was the way Necron is? You know, what if they, what if they started out as this, and they moved, like, they moved away from it in favor of light, forsaking Necron and locking him away. Like, what if they were, like, of the darkness? Yeah, like, what if they were born there? Like, what if... Because they keep saying they're as old as the, as the universe. So, like, we, what if they existed before the whole let there be light thing? Like, hell, what if they sparked the Big Bang, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's 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 pretty heavy. Mark, you got any uh anything any thoughts on this? How crazy are you? <laughs> I, wa- I I certainly could see it being some kind of other pact or deal cause they, like they did with Larfleet because on the surface you would think that would never you know why would they deal with that you know they're the guardians of the universe they're supposed to be omnipotent almost and at least they like to think that they are when we know that they aren't but that you would think that they would there would be some way that they could figure out a way to, I hesitate to say destroy it, because they kind of, even though they've never given us a real reason, they just kind of told us you can't really destroy, like, in Parallax, that they couldn't destroy Parallax, they just had to contain it. But it would make sense on some level for them to make a deal to try to keep the, to keep the darkness at bay. And so that would, that would kind of, that, that would make sense, because just look at the deals that they've, we already know, the deal with Larfleas and, Flashback, and then we saw them the other deal that they made, where they basically were putting Ganthet and and Sade up on a silver platter for them, which was, which in a way, made on some level in their mind probably makes sense, but to a lot of people who were probably reading it, it just kind of seemed shocking that they would be so that they would do that out of pettiness, you know, and in their own mind, self-preservation too, but if, if for nothing else to keep Larflees and Okara and to keep them preoccupied too. So I think there's a possibility that there's some kind of deal with Necron, and could could he be? Could they all be somehow interrelated? I think it could be, but I think but I think what we also don't know yet is we really don't know about it, most of the guardians of the other cores. We know that our obviously the Zamorans we know are related, but we don't know much. And obviously we know Ganthet and Sade are related, so you could say that those three cores are. But we don't really know yet about we don't know about who the guardian of the orange really is. We don't know what the deal is, what's inside that central power battery. We don't really know about the indigos yet, so I think if we once we get those pieces, I think we might be able to maybe connect the dots to say yes, they all have some relation to the guardians, or they're all offshoots of the guardians on some level, 
and then it would, you know, maybe what, what if it is Corona or who's inside the foreign central power battery or something? Then you could start connecting the dots and say, uh, then Necron must be related somehow to the Guardians too, because of the fact that all the other all the other Guardians of the cores, even though the Anti Monitor kind of really wasn't, and even yeah. though yeah, he's not the active Guardian anymore either. But I think it would, I think either way, I think we might better connect the dots a little, have more evidence of it too. I think once we find out a little bit more about the other entities and the other Guardians of the core, because they really haven't seen that many of the other entities so far, which I, so I, I'm going on an assumption here that I assume that most every, that you guys think that probably the, the red entity is inside, inside Atrocitus already, or not. I don't know. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but that would make sense with him being the only red lantern that can actually, like, think and speak and everything. And the fact that you could get his heart ripped out and it doesn't do anything to him, because obviously you can kill Red Lanterns, because we've seen, like, Lara and other people get killed. Mm. So. Um, but you go ahead. As far as what you had said about the uh, the different colors and their guardians, um, I made, a, like, a quick list as far as, like, you have Red, who, you know, it was created by Atrocitus' hatred of the garden, guardians. You have Orange, which, like, you know, the map to it from Krona, you know, leads me to believe that it might have actually been Krona that created the orange battery, or, you know, What's he... The... What? No, go ahead. Well, oh. you mentioned in a previous episode the shape and design of the battery is exactly like blue and green, right. which would suggest that a Guardian designed it. Right. And also, like, that may have been, like, the, you know, the key factor that corrupted him you know, into wanting to see the beginning of the universe. Something I totally forgot until Mark mentioned it, and I keep forgetting it, too. The Anti-Monitor is inside the Black Central Battery, so the Anti-Monitor is on Earth now, too. Oh, right. That's true. Uh, and am I just weird for being a little disappointed that Necron is people-sized? <laughs> just for now, though. Yeah, because, I mean, that, that previews cover... I, and, and, and yeah, covers exaggerate whatever. But I really like this image in, I had in my head of Necron being like this almost like Galactus-sized guy that's just like brimming with death power and all that. So I'm like, he comes he comes out of the ground. He's like eight feet. Tall. He's a, he's as tall as Jason right now. He's as tall as Jason. And I'm like, oh oh okay. Well, at least Necron's here. Well, that that cover may be like in Necron's own dimension. Oh, that's true. Because, like, the the background was all, like, swirly energy, I think. Or you could just change, be able to change size, too, like, like Spectre-like. Right. The Spectre, the Spectre can be a uh, normal size, or the Spectre can be, oh, you know, speak, yeah. the... Speaking of the Spectre, I think that's where I think the uh, the Red Lantern, uh, the, the, yeah, the Red Lantern uh, entity is. Eh. <laughs> eh. They tried tying it to Green Lantern once before, and that... Failed miserably for them. But that would almost make the spec. But if that was, I mean, although I, I've read that too, and other people have speculated that the specter could be the uh, the rage entity. But it, when you think about it, it kind of if that was the case, then whoever was which, whichever human host was merged with the specter would almost should, in theory, have almost no control over the specter at all. Okay. And that's really not. I mean, and, and yes, the specter in many cases has been dominant over the human host, but the human host has an influence on it, and it's, it's supposed to temper. Temp, and so you would think that the rage entity would have, be the, you would think that would be the entity that, that would control the host the most. 
True. So, and, and then, yeah, not that they deal with, not that they really touch on, or they try not to touch on the Hal Jordanus, the Spectre series at all, but then it would be very difficult to imagine. Well, I guess maybe, you know, maybe not. I guess they could try to explain it away because of Hal's willpower, how he was able to essentially tame the Spectre the way he did and make, try to make it the spirit of redemption for as long as he did. But it'd still be a hard sell if the rage entity was, if the further you get away from the center of the spectrum, the more it controls you that the rage entity. I mean, a parallax, if in states, I mean, if parallax is supposed to be so impossible to control that it controls you if you merge with it, then you can only imagine what the rage entity would be like. Yeah, and parallax is so close to the center of the spectrum. Like, that's probably, that should be one of the, the easiest right. to overpower. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be something in, probably in retrospect, if he had ever, I mean, Jeff might have been thinking about a lot of this stuff to begin with, but I don't know if. if but I would. You kind of suspect that if that if he had it all plan, mostly planned out, that he probably would have made Parallax have a lot of influence, but not be totally controlling, because it is kind of hard to imagine. Because it is a little just off. I made it made sense. It made sense when you were led to believe that the Sinestro Corps was essentially the opposite of the Green Lantern Corps. Then, then, then that would make a lot of sense that their entity would be something that would totally control you. But now that we know that it's just like a little bit to the center, off yeah. center, of, of, then it would it's kind of it doesn't quite jive this, this, the same way. Yeah. But, but maybe we'll get more of an explanation of that too. Looking at without giving away any spoilers, that looking at the solicits for Green Lantern 50, it kind of looks like we might get some more inklings into yeah. the nature of of the parallax entity. Nice. Potentially, anyway. Are we uh, all set, basically? I think, yeah. I mean, overall, this... I mean, not a lot happened in this issue, really, but, I mean, overall, it was great. Like, it had a lot of great moments, you know, a lot to make you think about. Like, the Firestorm page was great, the Scarecrow scene was great, Coast City's lights all being green was great. I mean, I could understand people not liking this issue... Like, to a certain degree, there's a lot of spinning your wheels, but I'll tell you the truth. I'm excited now, because with issue four over, like, I don't read the solicits anymore, just because, like, like, something got spoiled for me that I think happens in issue five that, to me, is a big deal. But, like, now that this issue is over, we're kind of out of the realm of everything that I knew for a fact was going to happen, you know? And now, like, like all I've got left now is, like, like, the general end game we're kind of expecting, but no, don't know how it's going to happen. And like a couple story points, I hope they hit. But like, there's four issues left of this thing, and that's a lot of time to just play with this. Like, like I love that Necron is a character that has virtually nothing to him because Jeff Johns can take the next four issues at least and just just build on this character. Like, this is really getting interesting to me now. I agree. I think I, I enjoyed it. I thought Blackest Knife, even though it's in a way it almost seems like it was, it, maybe it was designed to be like this too, almost like where, you know, catch your breath kind of issue where you back, you know, you kind of build, building, 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 then you kind of rest a little building. But I liked it. I thought, it, I thought, I think it sets up the next four issues very well. And now, and yes, most people knew it was Necron based on these. Most people, I mean, most people speculated it was Necron anyway, but the fact that they had revealed it a while back kind of did ruin that suspense, but. So that that reveal moment, but now, but like, like Dan said, now that we we kind of a lot of the main things that we already knew were going to happen or strongly suspected were going to happen, we've seen. Now it's to see where it goes from here and see if it 
to see where he, where it takes it because there's still obviously a whole lot of other story left to go. And on that note, let's take our last break and we'll come back to close the show. Okay? Do it. Sounds good. can people find the uh, Facebook game one, one more time? The easiest way, if you're in Facebook itself, to just do a, a search and just start punching in Lantern Core. Probably if you just, as I've done, as I tried before, if you just punch in L-A-N-T, pretty much the only two choices on Facebook right now you'll come up with are the Lantern Cast, which everybody should go to as well, but the Lantern Core War is the other one, and you click on that, and then you can join the game. And feedback is always 
appreciated, and we're trying to make the game better. And you could contact me, uh, my Mark Marble, on my, on my Facebook page, or you can when you if you go into the game, you'll see me on the when you look at the the, the core groups and the, my core group is Hope Shines Bright, and that's pretty much it. So I appreciate every appreciate you guys for having me on. I hope everybody goes checks out the game and give it a shot. It, as G- Jim will attest to, it is pretty addictive, but at least it's a good addiction. <laughs> so. Yes, absolutely. It's a very fun game. Uh, everybody out there, if you're a Green Lantern fan and you're looking for a fun Green Lantern game, then definitely check it out. I promise I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, alright. And, you know, if Blackest Night is your entry point into Green Lantern, you can get caught up with the series up to this point by way of in-stock trades, sister sites of DCBS, where the entire current Green Lantern series is listed, available, and ready to ship. And yeah, if you're planning on an, on ordering from DCBS already, you can even add an in-stock trades order onto that as well. So, really, um, you, you can you can add on now. Oh yeah, they, there's like a button on their thing. Like you go into the trades section, and it just it goes through the entire in-stock trades catalog alphabetically, and it'll just add it to whatever your DCBS DCBS order is at that time. Oh wow. Yeah, I think that's recent, like within the last year they started that. Uh, that's dcbservice.com and instocktrades.com. Very cool. Now, if you want to contact the Lantern Cast, we have a few ways now. We have our voicemail line. Uh, that number is 206-600-7357. Leave us a message. We'll play it on the show. We plan on having a few. We already have a few for our one-year anniversary episode next next week. But uh, please, like, if you're hearing this, you should still have a couple of days to get those in. So, you know, by all means, you know, send uh, send us voicemail. Send us questions for the Lantern Cast. Like, you'll have just a couple of days, but. You know, get it in. Questions for me, questions for Dan, questions for Jason. Uh, give us, uh, you know, give us something to work with because we plan on having a segment and we can't do it without you guys. And if you want to email us, we have lanterncast at gmail.com. You can go to lanterncast.com for our website. That's got links to all of our episodes. It has links to our Facebook page, links to our forum on bcomicforums.com. You can go there also straight there and scroll on down to LanternCast. And uh, I don't know. What else, Dan? Um, I think that's everything. Do you oh, get I, our email addresses? Uh, well, also we're on iTunes. Um, and, you know, we haven't really asked for this too much before, but... If anybody is listening to us on iTunes and, you know, you can sign in, then leave us a review because, like, uh, I think that'll help us, you know, get seen a little easier by uh, by other Green Lantern fans. So that would really help us out if you could, you know, give us a review here or there. Uh, we have our own personal email addresses. I'm Jim at LanternCast.com. Dan is Dan at LanternCast.com. 
and Jason, our program director, is jason at lanterncast.com. So drop us a line that way. And, uh, yeah, definitely want to thank Mark for coming on the episode. It was a lot of fun having you, Mark. Well, thank you. I had a good time. I hope I did a good job, and I'm and I'm really appreciate you guys supporting the game and having me on. Anyway, I'm a big Green Lantern fan. I've been listening to you guys since last year, so I'm I'm happy to be on. Yeah, and I can't I can't imagine we won't have you back at some point. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, that's that's it, everybody. Have a good one. Sinestro and Carol Ferris. Um, yeah, uh, hold on one second. Um, it'll be a little longer. Oh, yeah? yeah? Who's on your little microphone right now? Dan <laughs> and Mark. And your buddy Mark and your buddy Dan. Yeah. That's his fiance. Mark Lit. Hello. <laughs> She can't hear you, but Mark says hello. Aww. Hello, Mark. What, uh, <laughs> where do you live? What state? Where do I live? I'm in New York. New York. New York? Dan, yep. you're in, uh, New, New Jersey, Jersey, right? Yeah. Does any, does anybody have a, uh, a watch on? Or, um, a clock? Or, like, a cell phone with the time? Anybody? Anybody know the time? Yeah, uh-huh. it's almost, almost midnight. midnight. Anybody knows that? Yeah, it's almost... It's almost midnight, Jim! It's almost midnight! Yeah. How much longer Jim was late. Be? Jim was late. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her you were late. I, I was late. You were late? Yeah. Yeah, why were you late, motherfucker? Why were you late? I was late. Why were you late? Because you're fucking tired. Because you work at, like, a nut. How I'm much longer now. you got? I'm <laughs> <laughs> How much longer? Oh, half hour. Half hour. That's bullshit. That's not Jimmy time. That Jimmy is. time is an hour and a half <laughs> equals a half an hour. That's bullshit. Definitely be l- less than an hour. L- less than it. Dan, can you hear me, Dan? Yeah. I can you hear you. You don't need to talk into the earphone, honey. I'm not talking into the <laughs> earphone. I'm leaning up against so I can hear you jerk off. What's wrong with you? Listen, Dan, you better make sure... That you're all wrapped up in 30 minutes because if he's not in bed and I hear him talking about this bullshit in 31 minutes, I'm fucking coming after you, right? I'll find out where where you are because uh, we sent you a fucking wedding invitation and I will hunt you down, motherfucker, right? Don't think you won't escape. Know it. Be afraid. He has nothing to say. That's right. That's right you have nothing to say. I'll post up shit on your Facebook. Don't think I won't. 
You saw what I put on Green Lantern, your little lantern f***ing cast about Jimmy giving blow pops in the back of vans. You know, if I'm going to make it by 1230, then we <laughs> yeah, have to Yeah, bullshit, like, this is really f***ing affecting your time. Give me a break. <laughs> and we have a guest. Listen, your guest, I'm sure, is fully entertained by my uh, interruption, all right? I'm sure he is. If if you hunt me down like an animal, I'm pretty sure it'll affect your wedding gift. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. We all know you're the one that's coming with the frickin' uh, empty envelope. Let's not lie about it. <laughs> We're okay with it as long as you show up. All right. It's all that matters. Well, I mean, my my college roommate when he got married, I get, I wrapped up a nice box of uh, strawberry pop tarts for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't eat that. It's gonna be the, the the most recent issue of Green Lantern wrapped up. God. I'll have Lauren burn your copy. <laughs> I'm gonna burn a lot more. We got shit everywhere. All right, finish this shit up, Dan. All right, I'll talk to you later. Good night. She's a peach.